Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, my name is Bennett Pomerantz, and I'm, uh, I did a show about a year ago, year and a half ago, called The Legal Show, and I had a lovely partner, and she, I don't know, everybody used to say that she could almost read my mind, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, I mean, she is that intuitive and that wonderful a person. And uh, I'm lucky today because my partner, co-host, guest, whatever you want to call her, is here. Are you there, Sarah? I'm here, Bennett. How are you, fellow partner in crime? Oh, God, it's so wonderful to hear her. She is so wonderful to hear you. You doing okay? Well, yeah, hey, yeah, you're doing it's, all right. It's I, been crazy the I've last a lot six of, months, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, since this is anything goes, I have zero issue with talking about what's been going on with my physical health or anything else. Because if we have fans oh, out well, there, hey, I, I think they should get I, 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 I was told to not talk about your physical health. I can, but that's okay. I oh, mean, no, I, I love me. Okay. Well, well, well do say hello to Sir Amber for me, will you? I absolutely will do that. Absolutely, yeah, that's that's another uh, new twist <laughs> that folks don't know about. I think you and I, the last um, legal show we did was about a year ago, if I remember right. I seem to recall it was, it was last and, summer. And it was so wonderful because you are the great, not the greatest legal mind, I mean, Alan Dershowitz <laughs> would have a problem with that. But you're, you're as you close to Alan what? Dershowitz as I'm going to get. Well, God bless you. I love you, Bennett. The text is always in the mail. <laughs> um, well, well let's, let's get the fans updated on... I'm sorry, what? I wanted you to introduce yourself. Oh, okay. Well, I can do that. Um Good evening, afternoon, I guess afternoon. It's been a, a bit of a bear of a day. Um, my name is Sarah Steele. I am, actually, I, I'm now Sarah Avraham Steele. I kept my son's last name after the divorce as my middle name, so now my initials are Sass, which, you know, that makes perfect sense. Um, and I am the only open out and practicing alternative lifestyle attorney in the Southeast, Um I have discovered some other attorneys that do what I do who are also open about it across the country. I'm actually building a little network with that. And so if you consider yourself an alternative lifestyle, whether that be the power exchange community, the ethical non-monogamy community, the LGBT community, then I am the lawyer for you. Um, I'm licensed in Georgia but have practiced everywhere else. And you know what, Bennett, since I'm not giving legal advice or not talking about legal issues, I don't have to give my disclaimer about legal advice. Um, oh, but yeah, as my because I want to ask, I've got four questions about legal issues. Oh, well, in that case, um, uh, gosh, I had, haven't, don't, didn't have my disclaimer pulled up. I'll have to do it off the cuff. Um, again, I'm an attorney licensed practice in the state of Georgia. But even if you are in Georgia, what it is that I'm about to speak with Ben and about does not constitute uh, the start of an attorney-client relationship. Nothing here is confidential. Uh, and if you have any issues of your own, please consult a competent attorney um, in your personal jurisdiction. And if I happen to be in that jurisdiction or adjacent, or if you just want to talk to me, you 
can actually reach out to me anytime. Um, my email is Sarah at AbrahamLaw.com. That's A V is in Victor, R A M H A M Law.com. So it's like uh, Abraham but with a V. So now that I've done that, and a little more about myself, I'm 46 years old, made it to 46, yay. Um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, last November, I came out as lesbian, so that came as a surprise to a lot of people, including myself, by the way. Um, I cohabitate with my former fiancé, um, who I was uh, with for quite a number of years before I came out, and then after I came out and, and that relationship had to change, he and I transitioned into being roommates. He's still a, a wonderful and supportive and loving partner and co-parent to my five-year-old son, Gabriel. Um, but I am engaged to a wonderful woman named Amber, who we met through channels of where I was teaching, and um, we've been trying to to fluff it through here with COVID. It's been a stress on everybody's relationships, but we seem to be making it work whether we want to or not. So, you know. Um, and then, like I said, I have a five-year-old son. He was recently... Um, Diagnosis being on the autistic uh, spectrum scale, which made me look into myself and uh, come to find out, so am I. That's news that I really haven't disseminated quite a bit yet. So, Bennett, you're getting the scoop. Um, I'm definitely not ashamed of his diagnosis. I think it's just another aspect that makes him the wonderful child that he is. And, he uh, is a wonderful child. I'm sorry? I said he is a wonderful child. Thank you. He is he is super baby, and he's happy all the time. And um, you know, a lot of his autistic behaviors are very similar to my own. And you know, I have taken learning about autism and about um, you know some of the behaviors and, and what things it can cause, create, cure. You know, and a lot of things that has that has been a part of my makeup emotionally and mentally my whole life can completely relate back to this. Some of my comforting and coping mechanisms completely relate back to this. And so it's been uh, a learning experience for myself as well as what it is I'm learning about my son, and it's been great. We're not going to talk about that today. When I do the autism show in January or February, you're coming back. Absolutely. Done. And you are the best legal mind. I will say this again. You are the best legal mind next to Alan Dershowitz, I know. Well, again, I cannot thank you enough. Maybe perhaps whenever Mr. Dershowitz goes to that big courthouse in the sky, I can become number one. <laughs> you're In my book, you're always number one. Yay. Okay. So what well, let me ask you, that you had now that I've... This is from Dana. And Hi, Dana. the place he lives he place he lives in requires him to wear a mask. However, he does not want to wear a mask. I hey, no. I'm not trying to tell people how to live or not live. Is there a legal precedent that he doesn't have to wear a mask? That is a very good question, Dana. And thank you very much for asking. Um, Again, I wasn't aware of the fact that I would be answering such questions today. I'm so happy. I cannot tell you how happy I am. Um, But this is what you, everyone, not just Dana, but this is what everyone needs to know whenever it comes to wearing a mask. Um, First of all, my undergrad's in microbiology. So I'm aware more than most of the importance um, of keeping yourself safe also. Just so you'll know, I got a COVID test this morning and it was negative. There had been some speculation that I might have been positive. I went to my uh, doctor yesterday, and so that was a little scary. Um, but um, I, I went to my doctor yesterday because I had a double mastectomy a month ago, but we can get into all that. But as far as wearing a mask is concerned, um, if you want to take the social policy and all of that out of it, just strictly legally speaking, every business has the right to refuse service based upon pretty much anything that does not involve um, bias, like racial bias, um, it, it basically classes that are protected by the EEOC. You know, this is no different than the debate 
that went on, oh gosh, I want to say five or six years ago, where Christian-based companies did not want to bake cakes for LGBT weddings. And it was determined by the Supreme Court that they absolutely could refuse service because LGBT was not a protected class under the laws as they currently stood. I believe they are now. Um, but it also depends on the I think they are, too. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not a lawyer, but I think they are, too, because I, I know yeah. a friend of mine just had one. Yeah. Um, so he had since, people in the wedding, but still. Right, right. Um, but people who are mask wearers versus non-mask wearers, they are not protected classes under federal law. So a business has the right to refuse service to anyone who is not a protected class. So, Dana, I hate to tell you, I understand the uncomfortability with a mask and all of that. Really, I do. Um, I'm, I'm claustrophobic, and breathing in air that I've already breathed can be very uncomfortable. But as far as a legal perspective is concerned, um, you do not legally have a leg to stand on to not wear a mask if the business establishment has said you must. Now, if you go into someone else's private home, the rules of their house apply. If you go into a federal courthouse, whatever rules they have apply. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty much up to the discretion of the business. And they absolutely have the right to have you removed by security or police force in the event that, uh, that you're not following the rules that they have posted. Okay. Uh, this is from Steve. Steve says, I'm glad you're back, Sarah. I'm glad Thank to be back, Dennis. This is so much fun. I, I, I'm not. I'm just reading his letter or his email. He says, okay. "I'm glad you're back, Sarah." Uh, he wasn't even talking <laughs> to me. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> um, but he says here, uh, "Is there still a precedent, or this about non-evicting people?" Through the because of the pandemic, that is a state to state question. Um, in Georgia, they have not made any moves to protect tenants, which is very unfortunate. And I'm involved with Legal Aid of Atlanta, and there have been um, continuing legal education classes and clinics that have popped up prolifically since COVID has happened because we're trying to prepare as volunteer lawyers to help people who can't afford lawyers in the event that evictions occur due to COVID. Um, I know New York was talking about, and I believe they did enact a law that put a hold on evictions, um, provided that you could prove that the reason why you weren't paying your rent was because of a loss due to the pandemic. Um, but that is a very state-specific question. There's no federal law for that, if that's what the question is. Um, but every state is making moves. I'm sorry, say again, hon? I said, I think that's what his question was. Yeah, there is nothing federal as of yet. Um, there have been pushes, of course, from the citizenry, um, but with the current administration that we have, um, there has not been any moves that have made in that that have been pushed in that direction. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next hundred days or less there would be, because as we all know, there's presidential election that's going on in November. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if one just sort of miraculously popped up in the 11th hour. But up to this point, no, there's nothing federal that has been put into place to help protect people who might be evicted because of COVID. Okay. Let me ask you a, a legal um, – this is from Joanne. Is there any additional rights for the LB? If you can say it three times, you're good. LBGT community because of the pandemic or because of the situation now? Unfortunately, no. Um, there is uh, – <laughs> anything that has affected the LGBT community has not come as a result of the pandemic. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you know, as we've seen through the deaths of, you know, John Glenn's wife and – other famous people and people who have gotten sick, you know, this affects everyone pretty much equally. Um, I know there are people who are immunocompromised that are part of the LGBT community. Of course, there are also people that are immunocompromised that are not. 
Um, but no, there hasn't been any other additional moves made um, in order to protect people specifically in the LGBT community because really what is affecting people as far as COVID is concerned is pretty universal at this point, and I think that's why no moves have been made in that direction for that. You see why she's my attorney of record, don't you? <laughs> I guess three You never LOL have to take advantage of that relationship. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing now? That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Well, if you ever get into a fender bender, Bennett, call me. <laughs> Since I don't drive, I'm, I, you know, I, but I've had, uh, you know, um, not limo, but, you know, uh, vehicles taking me forth and back. And if they get into it, believe me, you'll be the third I call. That's right. You Legally, you're the third I'm calling. The first one I call is my brother, and that's beside the point. But Yeah, I don't blame him. Uh, he's a nice cat. He's a nice cat. He does great taxes. Don't tell anybody. David Pomerantz and Associates is the firm. I'm giving a shameless plug here. Shameless real one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I uh, know. But David Pomerantz and Associates, they do taxes. They're wonderful. And it's my brother. And if you want your taxes done, he doesn't do it for cheap, but he does it. He does a good job. Trust me. Uh, and sometimes you get what you pay point. for. And I think when it comes to tax preparation, that's definitely the case. Hey, some tax forms are not easy these days. It's more difficult That's these right. times. That's um, true. Let's talk a little more about the virus here. And I'm not just okay. wanting to talk about the virus. Um, is there any, and dare I say it, and I'm not trying to sound rude, when we're trying to dispose of a uh, human body uh, is there burial rights they could still be buried if I'm not correct oh absolutely absolutely you know it, oh. that kind of harkens back to the days of the early 80s whenever uh, morticians were afraid to handle people that had passed of HIV AIDS and I know here in Atlanta there was only one funeral home in all of Atlanta that would um, cremate or embalm the bodies and then give the services um, I would give a shameless plug for them if my brain just totally had not left me. Um, anyway, but even now, my gosh, 30, 40 years later, um, all, uh, a vast majority of the LGBT, LGBT community has their funerals there because they stood by the community too, whenever huh? it was happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I went to a funeral of a, of a well-known person, uh, a, a, a very dear gay friend of mine, uh, gosh, that had to have been four or five years ago. And his uh, husband outright told me, this is why we chose this funeral home. And I'm like, good. You know, so they're seeing the positive um, ripples from that. But I have not heard of any, I mean, I'm sure, I, I'm not in the medical field. Um, I do know people who are medical in the medical field, some sort of adjacent. But from my understanding, for those of you that don't know, my undergraduate degree was in microbiology. Um, so a lot of the things that I learned are still, you know, good knowledge. Um, as long as they take the proper precautions um, in order to contain the fluids if they're doing embalming or to, I mean, cremation is, you know, much easier as far as that's concerned, provided there's not a viewing beforehand, um, then I, I haven't heard of any issues that have come up from people being able to take care of a family member's remains or a loved one's remains. Um, as a result of COVID. Okay. Let me ask we you We don't have to worry about that for another 100 years, though, Bennett, so it'll be all right. Yeah. Well, I understand that. Yeah. Let I me do uh, Let me do a little something that's been on my mind here. I know okay. that you have a five-year-old, and uh, he's wonderful, and I love him more than life itself. He's going to be successful to so when I die, he's my successor, and I'm not planning on dying for a couple of years. Well, that's good. That'll give him time to up his vocabulary a little bit. So. Yep, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, all kidding aside, what do you think about the schools 
in in the areas about telelearning and uh, since you do have a child, you know, legal issues here, telelearning and not going to school and going to school and being tested every five minutes and and right. what do you your opinion? Which, by the way, speaking of being tested, that ain't a walk in the park, folks. Um, I'm not going to tell you not to get tested because that is the socially and physically, you know, health-wise responsible thing. Um, but I've now had two COVID tests, one before my double mastectomy, which was done by a hospital. And, I mean, they really get up in there. Like, that was a, a pretty bad experience. The one that I had this morning was unpleasant, but it wasn't, like, nightmare-inducing like the other one was. So, you know, stay safe out there. And if you have to get the test, get it, Absolutely. But just know that for about 20 seconds, you're going to be hating life. Um, so as far as the schools opening are concerned, my son is five and a half. He was due to start kindergarten. Um, he is a little slow in his speech development. And so he needs speech and occupational training, uh, speech and occupational therapy, um, as well as a little bit of behavioral therapy. But we're looking at different venues for that. Um, again, not the autism show. But... He is going to skip the first half of kindergarten so he can get these therapies and be, you know, better able to adjust to a classroom setting. So we're very lucky that that wasn't going to be that, you know, that's the case. But at the same time, um, both me and the ex-husband agreed that even if that had not been the case, we were not going to send him. I was going to homeschool him. Um, as far as the schools opening up, here is the socially contractual balance we're trying to keep. You know, our entire society is based around a 40 or 50 or 60 hour work week. And if you're lucky, only one parent does that. However, a lot of the times, um, both parents these days have, you know, have had to work. Um, I won't get into the economics of that, but our whole society was based upon the kids go to a you know preschool program and the school and then aftercare so that parents can work seven to four, you know, eight to five, nine to six, whatever. And this is how our society has been running, gosh, for as long as, as both parents have started working or divorced parents who are single parents like myself. You know, I have a very good support system between my fiancé and uh, my roommate, but, you know, not everybody is as fortunate as that. And so they rely on aftercare programs and preschool programs and all of this so that they can work and make the money to pay for the, the house, you know, that the family lives in. And so we were so used to that model for so long. Now all of a sudden it's not healthy to send kids to school because of the, you know, because of the COVID and everything that's going on, but the schools are opening anyway, and everybody's like, oh, well, that's just because, you know, people are being selfish. No, our society has, has, has created an impetus for this structure because there is no concept of it takes a village to raise a child anymore. I have a small village of three here in my house and a much greater one outside of my house. And, you know, if COVID wasn't going on, because I have friends that I could call and, you know, associates and all this for babysitting and all of this. But not everybody has those resources. Their primary resource, and even in poorer, you know, areas, not only is school basically the daycare so that parents can work, it also provides the food that these kids are going to eat because, you know, that cuts out one, maybe two meals a day that they don't have to be fed at home, which helps out the parents economically. So we have this model that has been created that is very heavily reliant on the public school systems. And now that, you know, something has happened and we don't want to send our kids to public schools, there's this, this double-edged sword, you know, okay, I don't want to send my kids because I don't want COVID to come home because it might not affect kids as badly as it does adults, although it still does. But if I don't go to work and I have to stay at home with them to homeschool them, you know, if they're not of age to do it themselves, which really most kids don't have the focus to do that even up to the age of 18, how am I supposed to make a living? Okay, so I'm furloughed at work. Cool, maybe I'm getting unemployment, maybe, but that's about to end, and eviction is looming on the horizon. Now all of a sudden the housing is unstable, 
for both the parent or parents and the children. I mean, it's just, it's all a really bad situation. And whenever people talk about the opening of schools, I don't think they're talking about the right things. I mean, yes, it's absolutely scary to send your kids to a place where they could get a virus that could affect their neurological system for the rest of their lives and yours if you catch it. I mean, like, that's not bad enough. But the other thing that, that people really aren't even talking about is the fact that we have set up this system to make it to where the parents are dependent on sending their kids to school. And, and now that that's not, you know, maybe a morally or ethically viable option, then what now? So do you save your child's life and immune system and potentially your life and immune system but become homeless because you're not working? I mean, there's a lot more aid that needs to come. I mean, yes, unemployment actually absolutely helps that. Um, unemployment payments help that, you know, to where the parents can stay home. Um, but, yeah, we do need to have a really big referendum on evictions and how is this going to work now. And here's some advocacy for a group that you might not even think I would advocate for. No, people don't need to be evicted. Okay, cool. What if the landlord isn't like these big companies that's got multi-million dollars worth of houses and all this other stuff? Because, you know, that's where people go. That's where they think. They're like, well, I don't need to pay my rent to this big major apartment company, you know, company. Screw them. They've got enough money. That might be the case. But what if you were the landlord that I had in my last house that I rented and in the current house that I'm renting and the one that I rented before that? They were all single people that owned one house. They're not slumlords. They're not, you know, real estate investors. You not, me not being able to pay my rent trickles down to them because then they probably can't make the mortgage payment on it, which is going to affect their credit and, you know, their ability to pay their bills in the future. That's a ripple that people, you know, don't, that, very, that people have very rarely looked at because people see landlords as these great, you know, oh, all-knowing, oh, God-king landlords that has all of this money in the bank, and some of them don't. Some of them are just, you know, little old ladies who had an extra house. Maybe their kid died, and they decided to rent it out so that they could help pay the mortgage as opposed to selling it. And then what? So I feel sorry for the people who can't pay their rent, of course, because losing your place to live is, you know, sucks. I can't put it any other way than that. But then you've got the ripple effect of that. I don't pay my rent. Well, then what about the landlord who can't pay their mortgage? They go into default, and, and think about this now. If you go into default on a mortgage payment, you're going to lose your place to live anyway. You know, even if the landlord said, you know what, don't worry about paying your rent. You know, we're, we're all family here. We'll figure it out. But what if the landlord doesn't have savings or doesn't have any resources from their – maybe their mortgage company isn't offering COVID relief and they end up foreclosing, well, you're going to lose your place to live anyway. Your relationship with your landlord may be great, but then the landlord's relationship with the mortgage company and their credit gets tanked. And this is the kind of stuff that people, you know, are not necessarily talking about not, in all circles you. all the way through. Oh, God, this is why I missed the legal show. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you too, Bennett. <laughs> You know, it's rare this that I get 30 minutes strictly it. of my own to express my legal opinion. So, yeah, I miss it, too. <laughs> you have more than 30 minutes tonight. You have more than 30 minutes tonight. Oh, yeah, we've, yeah 30 minutes have already gone by. I just checked my clock. Oh, well, good. But I'm not shutting down the doors yet. I got... You're I not. This is an hour of... show. I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. I know. Thank Marsha Casper Cook. That's who you should need to thank. She is a lovely lady, and she runs the world of Inc. Network so well. Thank you, Marsha. Well, let's thank, let's take a moment to thank her. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you so much for having us. But let me do a couple of announcements for the next few weeks. Okay. Not that I don't want to take your time away. Believe me, this has been You have to do your homework, Bennett. Yes, dear. Next week on the twentieth, Daniel Ray will be will be in the hot seat talking about his new novel. Uh, on the twenty seventh, Melissa Kerr will be there. I'm still trying to negotiate, trying to get somebody for September third. Everybody's just 
it's Labor Day. I, you don't need to do a show. I'm like, no, I want to do a show if I can find somebody. Uh, Elaine Beach will be here on the 10th. Uh, S. Evan Townsend will be here on the 17th. Jean Marie Spacusa, she'll be here on the 24th. She's got a lovely new movie, and, oh, it's going to be great. It was made before the pandemic. And Nanette Hoffman, who uh, basically is, is a blogger and a novelist, and, and she's wonderful, she will be here on October 1. So I've done my homework, or most of my homework. Um, we are always looking for guests. So any writers that are listening to this, email me at audioworld at yahoo.com or Facebook me, Bennett Pomerantz, and I would surely love to have you here on this show with a panel and talking or whatever. And so it'll be a lovely, lovely time with whoever comes. And yes, I have more uh more people coming in October and November. So somebody says, oh, well, you don't have people coming. Some of the guests I do have coming, and I want to make sure, uh, Sean Fisher, that is a civil rights advocate and comedian, Sean Fisher, uh, novelist Christine Nolsey, Yvonne Mason on the, uh, coming up, um, political pundit Alvin Jones. He also produces uh, the World of Jazz and some of the other shows. So it's not like we have nobody coming. So I don't want you to think that we're running on an empty deck. We're not. Uh, I love doing this show. I love talking to this lady, too. And, um, yes, she will come back. I'm getting getting, uh, IMs right now. Yes, she will come back. I promise. Okay? I don't know when. I hope I hope either December or January, if she can find time, you know, I would love to have her. I okay? can always make time for you, Bennett, most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. God bless you. That, if you people don't know, is the highest compliment a man can have. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. That is. Well, I thank you, Bennett. I love, love, love talking to you. It's it's just such a pleasure to be here. I put myself on speakerphone. Is is this okay? I hope so. I yeah, I think you're fine. Good, 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 good. I can still hear you. I can hear you no matter what. But um, yeah, I would love to talk not today, but about. Uh, gay marriage. Uh, uh, gay is 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 that the proper term nowadays? Gay marriage. How about marriage equality? <laughs> yeah, let's That's let's go with marriage equality. And if you hear a giggle in the background, um, Amber is in here, um, listening to the the recording. So uh, so we already have one. Fan, I'm just, so that's good. Amber, that's Amber peck on your cheek. I love you too. <laughs> she blew you a kiss back. Oh, Gabriel's been on this show, by the way. I'm talking to Amber now. Gabriel's been on this show, by the way, whenever he was little and used to run around. Oh, yeah, he was my little co-host. So if you want to actually say hi to Bennett, you can do that, too. Excuse me. Excuse me. Whose co-host is he? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was my co-host because he was standing there with me. But Bennett's already said that he's going to be his predecessor. So, you know. Yeah, he's when he grows up and starts really talking. Oh, I'll have him on the show. Trust me, I'll have him on the show. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it to me, it's funny, but it's true. I think uh, we're grooming him for him to take over my job. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you can ask Amber; she's sitting right here. She does an amazing job being his caregiver and co-parent. And, uh, yeah, his vocabulary has really exploded in the last couple of weeks. So I think right now he would want to talk about Cut the Rope, his favorite game. I think that would be what he'd talk about. Absolutely. Cut the Rope. He'd wahoo you all around. Yeah, because he goes, wahoo, which is um, him parroting the, 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 the sounds from the show. He absolutely loves it. Actually, I think he may be trying to bust into the room now. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he'll come through and say hi, Bennett. <laughs> 
I, I hope so. I really would love that. Um, let's talk about, as I said, uh, I say gay marriage. There are other terms. You know what I'm saying. Uh, alternative lifestyle marriage, if you want to use the term. Uh, I'm not trying to sound prejudiced. Or, I'm not against people of both sexes getting, you know, getting married the way they want to. Are you ready, Bennett? I'm about to blow your mind. There's more than two genders. (laughs) So (laughs) the best way to state it is that you are in support of marriage equality because that covers every person, gender notwithstanding, any other uh, uh, arrangements notwithstanding. Um, And, yes, I'm, I'm all about marriage equality myself, and even polyamorous marriage is now being considered in Massachusetts. Matters. It's been. It's on the books in Massachusetts, actually. So that's a, that's a show in and of itself. <laughs> I've already done one podcast on that. So yeah. Well, I I was talking to a uh, person, and I said, uh, and she's very happily regularly. Can we say regularly married, or you know what I'm saying? She has a husband. I know you have a your partner is your husband but I'm you know what I'm saying and mm-hmm. she's against marriage equality and we had a small Ooh. discussion about that and I have nothing against her it's not a personal uh attack uh I'm not against her at all this is what she likes and what she wants that doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're not allowed your like and your want Right. As long as it doesn't interfere with my like and my want, I'm a happy camper. That's pretty much how I look at things myself. Don't yuck my hey, yum. if I I've been to I've been to marriages to women, to men, you know, husband and wife, men and women. I you know, okay. Uh do you find that people are um what would you like to say about uh, how would you like to phrase this? I'm sorry, I'm I'm trying to think how to phrase it without being rude. Um, <laughs> we love you anyway. Ben. I mean, I don't, I don't care who your partner is, male or female, or female and male, or you know whatever. Okay, and I'm not trying to say you're wrong or right. I'm not being judgmental here, but. Absolutely. I'm still waiting for the question, Minnie. I'm trying to get it out. Do you find that? Do you find that that people are more lax due to the pandemic, or just lax normally nowadays? As far as marriage or life in general. Is marriage well? Marriage, life in general, things like that. Well, I'm going to tell you something that I told Amber last night. Um, People worldwide now have experienced a trauma that they have never experienced before. And you have, I know I have definitely seen the effects of it, you know, through, I do work in juvenile court um, on dependency cases. And I, of course, have been a family law attorney for 10 years. And I have definitely seen the effect of COVID on people's relationships, and that makes me very sad. And and I, I don't think I'm talking out of turn whenever I say it's affected my own relationship. Um, and then, you know, my life, much like other people's lives, have other extenuating factors, you know, exactly. other accident circumstances, like, you know, COVID hit. And we immediately started renovations on the house, and that's not easy on any family, you know, because we wanted to be the one to do the renovations because we wanted the house that we moved into to be our own. Um, And then we moved, which, of course, is a trauma. And then after that, we were, God, we were so busy trying to get everything unpacked before uh, my surgery, which happened on July 10th. And then that was life-changing for me and my partners. And it's, I mean, we have had a back-breaking. Oh, and in the meantime, my child got diagnosed with autism, you know. Um, 
and, and with all the challenges that come along with that. And so everyone worldwide has had oh, a backbreaking amount of stress. I, I, hear four show, I hear four shows already you're cooking for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, so not just living one, under I'm the stress. Four. Right. Living under the stress of COVID. And then I'm sure, I mean, I'm definitely not saying I'm the only person in the world that has all of these extraordinary circumstances. Everybody does. You know, you could have a single parent that doesn't know how they're going to, you know, homeschool their child, or maybe they are homeschooling their children and they don't understand the subjects and they feel like their child is going to fail because of them. You know, there could be financial, you know, considerations. We've been very lucky here that, you know, I'm a lawyer and I still pretty much have been able to practice law and bring in money even, I mean, other than whenever I took my leave of absence from my surgery and um, our roommate, he is an emergency uh, uh, management He's in emergency management, so, of course, he's been, like, quadruple busy, which causes stress on the household because he's not here to do, you know, like, householding and co-parenting duties all the time like he, you know, used to. I mean, everybody has been under so much stress, and then you've got the individual facts in people's lives. I honestly am surprised that I haven't seen more juvenile cases and more divorces come up than what I already have. Honestly, I really haven't seen too much. I have not seen a great uptick in it. So that means either people are bottling, they're fighting at home, or they're managing. Um, and I, I mean, I can only speak from my own personal experience that there has been a lot of, of ruffled feathers around our household just because, and I believe, and it's not because we don't love each other, and it's not because, you know, we don't want to make our relationships work in the family unit that we voluntarily created to work. It's just that the stress is just absolutely killer. It's absolutely killer. And then, you know, add all of the other factors in, you know, I, I don't think people have gotten lax. I don't think they've gotten lax in their desire to be together and to love each other and to get married, you know, back to the marriage equality or even just marriage. Um, I think that we are all dealing with a new set of circumstances and, and, you know, people throw around the term PTSD all the time. I don't think everybody now has PTSD, but I definitely think that people are experiencing post-traumatic stress. Um, every single person that's aware of what's going on in the world and that has been affected by this is experiencing post-traumatic stress. And that can put undue pressure and bring out fears that can affect people on an individual level and on a relationship level. And I have been saying this since day one, and I haven't practiced it every day as I should, but I try, is we all need to have just a little bit of compassion for ourselves and for other people because this too shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, and it might pass, and maybe we have to do this for another year, but it will eventually pass. Look at what happened in the pandemic in 1918 with the influence of um, virus that went around. You know, people had to wear a mask, and people had to quarantine, and there were police on the streets, you know, enforcing the ordinances, and there were anti-maskers. And it begged, I mean, go back and read the history of what happened to the United States during the influenza pandemic. And it's so similar to what's happening now, all of the stress and the people who, you know, want to force people to wear a mask and the people who want to, you know, not be forced to wear a mask and the scare and the terror and the worry about the children go back and read some of the stories. I've been doing that to pass my time while, you know, convalescing. And it is absolutely shocking to me that literally 102 years later, this is exactly we're going, we're going through on a sociological and psychological level everything that people did in 1918. Technology has not helped this. You know, cell phones and the proliferation of information has not helped this. Everybody still has the basic fears. And if we were to practice a little bit more benevolence, I think that would help us in general and, you know, as a society to get past this. Otherwise, we There's are going to see upticks in violence and domestic violence and divorces and child abuse and all of these things that are completely unnecessary if we just take a breath, ground ourselves, and practice a little bit of, of forgiveness and benevolence. I understand. You're sending me the links to some of these, aren't you, later? I'm sorry, say again? Sarah? 
you're sending me the links to some of these articles and things so I can read them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I could do that. I'm talking absolutely. to me, not I, the audience. Oh, no, you can. I'll send it to you and you can give it to the audience. That's fine with me. Um, okay. I'm on Twitter. If people want to see me, you know what? I didn't pimp out my Twitter a while ago. I only pimped out my email address. If you want to contact me through Twitter, I am Sarah Steele ESQ. So S-A-R-A-H-S-T-E-E-L-E-E-S-Q, like Esquire. Um, you can always private message me there or just, you know, tweet me and go, hey, you know, what is your opinion on this, this, and that? And what is your, uh, where were those links for the pandemic as well? Uh, I read a, it was a very long article um, written by a gentleman who's in current uh, modern history who is a historian on the pandemic. That's like his specialty. And, man, the stuff that I read, I was just gobsmacked. I was like, wow, apparently everybody you – know, but I also took comfort that we're experiencing the same fears and traumas now, and I know that sounds weird. Run with me with this for a second. I was mm-hmm. comforted by the fact that with a 102-year difference, people are still people. Fundamentally, people are still people, mm-hmm. and the same people that are going to rise up and innovate during this time – in order to help us get through it, existed then the same way they do now. You know, people like to think that because of the dissemination of information that we have now, I mean, how many times do you hear people say, oh, well, it wasn't like this back in my day, you know, whatever the case may be. You know what, this, the, the, the ease of availability of information really has not changed us fundamentally as, uh, as people, as humans, proven by the same hopes and fears that proliferated in the 1918 pandemic are proliferating now. It is a, a fascinating, absolutely fascinating sociological observation and, you know, sort of a, a scenario experiment type thing that you can run through your head um, because it's just, it was comforting to me to know that they worried about the same things we worried about, you know? God, we, you already have five shows you're going to be doing this year and next year. Call me, Bennett. Don't we worry. Do you got you a second job. What? I'm sorry. I, you no, I said we should, do Zoom. we should do Zoom podcasts like VidCast so we can see each other's faces. God knows I've learned how to use Zoom over the last three months quite quite prolifically. I, have, I've gotten I haven't. I need a, I need somebody to teach me. I don't know it. I I'm would, sorry. I'm, I'm not, not surprised by that. <laughs> you were the one that taught me to take my own calling in. I'm technically illiterate. I, if I somebody taught me how, I'd, anyway. I'd, I'd have <laughs> notes. But well, I'm betting between Miss Cook I'm betting between Miss Cook and myself, we could probably get you hooked up. But yeah, if you are ever interested in doing a vidcast, I would love to see your smiling face. And I might actually put on something other than a caftan because that's what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> I had a court hearing earlier that was via Zoom, and I had to get all dressed and all this. And and after that was done, I'm like, Ugh, I'm getting my caftan back on to talk to Bennett. <laughs> Not doing get it. Get the cast. Hey, I've never been one for. I'm not. I'm wearing a Superman T-shirt and sweats, so I'm. I understand. I love you. I don't stand on ceremony. I mean, nobody. No, not to be rude. Unless you're in my home or know me, nobody comes see me. So if you're not here, you know, I understand that. I understand well, that totally, and so. But I do. Uh, okay, people have already asked uh, when is when is she free to come back? I've already gotten uh, e- two emails about the st- or two whatever IMs whatever that want you to come back. I'd love you to come back. I, I have uh, December third available, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> you're not saying. You're just saying. <laughs> oh, I I know I have December third available. But, uh, but that's you know, probably like it, three it, months from now, four months from now, and actually Thursday, December third, my schedule is completely open. Two so. weeks from now, I'll take you in two weeks from now. I mean, you know, okay. 
Uh, and and Marcia says to me right now, and I love her. We love Marcia. She says, "I'll add times. I'll add times." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, actually, two weeks from today, Thank I'm completely you, free. I want to snatch me up while the snatching is good. <laughs> but no, I I love I love Marcia Casper Cook dearly. Uh, and Marcia now says, "You're welcome to both that. of us." But. Uh, uh, the the thing about it about this show and others is we talk about issues and we're not trying to to say I'm right you're wrong or whatever but there are so much I don't want to bring back the legal show not that I don't love it but we don't need to bring it back we can do it every you know there are so many legal issues right now with the, with the new policies and everything else. Um, I mean, I've got. Well, I personally think that you like that anything goes format better anyway because we have an hour instead of thirty minutes. I know that, but I'm saying we've got more questions for you than you've ever thought. Uh, people are asking, you know, can I be evicted? Oh, according to Marsha, we have two hours, but according, can I be evicted during this crisis? Okay. Well, back to my original answer, unfortunately, yes, unless your state or your municipality has stepped in and provided law um, to protect you from evictions. It's an unfortunate reality. So I'm going to give you the lawyer answer. Are you ready? It depends, and it depends on where it is that you're living. So check your local um, and state ordinances and keep a a tight watch on what your legislators are doing during this time in order to um, give aid to you and folks like you. Okay. Can, okay, they offered in some states, they've offered a suspension of evictions and they've suddenly unsuspended those evictions. Can that be done? Thank you, Dan. Uh, thank you, uh, not Dana, Danny. Thank you, Dan. I'm getting all the D's today. Okay. Danny, Dana, whoever. But can that be done? You there? I am here. What was uh, Danny's question again? I apologize. Danny is saying, "Can okay, they used to have a ceiling and said, you can't be evicted. Now suddenly they say you can be evicted. Well, so here's the thing, Danny. Um, I'm not sure what your jurisdiction is, and even if you lived literally right next door to me, I'm going to make a confession. Are you ready? Despite being um, Bennett's uh, attorney of record, <laughs> landlord-tenant law is not my specialty. It's not my area of law. Family and criminal mostly is. Um, all of the knowledge that I have in regards to landlord-tenant law has come from me going to these clinics and, you know, trying to keep updated on what uh, is happening here. Um, I think I might be familiar with, like, New York, where maybe, and, and again, I, I really, this is outside of my wheelhouse, um, and, and some of the bigger cities have, like, rent controls, and you can't be evicted, they just go to the next person on the list. I, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, again, I, I really have to stress what I've been saying um, all during the show is that please, please consult your local laws. Your, 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 uh, start at the, the city level, then go to county level, and go to state level. Um, and look at all the emergency orders that governors and mayors and all that have been putting out in regards to COVID and evictions. Because I, I have to give you the lawyer answer. It depends. It depends on your jurisdiction. It depends on what laws were in place beforehand and what they're doing, if they're doing anything with those laws at this time. Okay. Let me ask you for, uh, okay. I go to the hospital and other people go to the hospital. And one of the people that went to the hospital, not with me, but during the same time I was there. Uh, we both had the COVID test. His was ne- his was positive. Mine was negative. Could they suddenly get him a hospital room and not self, uh, you know, do you know, since he failed the test there, 
which in other words, there. are hospitals allowed to turn you away because you get a positive uh, COVID test? A, neg- a negative. Well, they turned me away because I had enough to do an outpatient surgery. He, of course, has positive, and he uh, well, he's fine now. It was like a mild case of the flu, he says, but. He had a mild case, and they stuck him in the hospital. Can that be done? Here's the thing about medical treatment in hospitals. One can absolutely refuse care, and you will sign documents and to make sure to cover their liability in medical malpractice, and you can walk away. You know, there was a time, and I think we had done a legal show Right around the time years of ago. we couldn't About legal years show ago. back in uh, December of 2018, um, the roommate, and I don't think he'd care if I use his name, Robert, um, Robert uh, went in for a simple splenectomy, and it turned into a uh, 10-day ordeal where his spleen was eight pounds, and he bled out and died on the table, and, I mean, it was a whole thing, and... Um, there was a point in time there towards the end where I didn't believe he was getting the care that he needed. Um, He had a couple of follow-up hospital stays after that initial one, and I believe it was during the second hospital stay. Um, I never mention when I'm in a hospital that I'm a lawyer because they kind of have a propensity of getting a little wonky with you. But that day I did because he wasn't getting the care he needed. He was sitting here. We were in the hospital over the weekend. We were both miserable and tired. And, you know, I basically had to say, if you don't start doing this test and that test and stop doing this test and that test and get your act together, then we're going to, to, to sign, you know, uh, I think what it's called uh, sign despite medical advice, against medical advice. There we go, an AMA. Um, and leave. And, you know, he's sitting here with tubes and, and IVs and all this other stuff, you know, and it got their attention and it eventually all worked out. I mean, Robert's still with us, thank goodness, but... You can, like, if you come in for some sort of a surgery and you're positive for COVID or they test you and you're positive for COVID and they want to hospitalize you and all this other stuff, you can just say, you know what, I'm walking out. Perfect example from my own life. I got my cancer diagnosis again back in February, and so it, it had moved from my left breast to my right breast, which is why I decided to go ahead and get the double mastectomy because the cancer was spreading in my body and I wanted it gone. And so I was like, okay, time to do the double mastectomy that everybody's been talking about me getting for the last nine years. And they wouldn't let me do it because it was considered elective surgery, which, you know, that to me is not the case. But anyway, I elected to have a lumpectomy instead because it was outpatient versus inpatient. And the hospitals here in Atlanta couldn't handle outpatient, but they couldn't at the time handle inpatient. And so I volunteered for that. Now, if we had gotten that scheduled and arranged and all this other stuff, and then I decided, you know what, I don't want to take the chance of catching COVID while I'm in the hospital and go ahead and cancel it, it would not have been the most medically sound decision considering my cancer was spreading. But I still could have done that. I could have not had the double mastectomy that I had. Um, Anybody can make those decisions. There's no – the only medical – I'm not going to say the only, to my knowledge, the only medical treatment that one can be forced into legally is a 1013. And that's whenever, at least in Georgia, whenever two people that are close to you, um, preferably one relative, uh, well, preferably two relatives, but it could be one relative, one friend, has said that they have um, heard or seen, you know, behaviors out of you, which means you might end up harming yourself or somebody else. And so... Um, Massive, you know, they, they want you to be involuntarily um, admitted to a mental health institution, and so you're Is admitted for uh, a watch. I'm sorry, say again. Sorry. A ten thirteen. That's a Georgia code, or is that a national code? It's sort of a a. Um, it's a reference here where people understand that that's you know involuntarily being admitted into a mental mental health institution. Um, That might be just local to Georgia, but to my knowledge, all states have something like that. But that's about the only time you can be involuntarily admitted into a healthcare 
place is is through um, involuntary psychological um, admissions. Okay, let me. This is from Nancy, and I this I think this is going to be the last question of tonight. Not that I don't want to talk to you forever. I know we have two hours, but I don't want to. I I, I, I we do an hour and a half, and I'll be happy. Uh, Nancy says. Can the people that died in the nursing homes, families, sue the the nursing home at all? Well, there's definitely circumstances where elder abuse happens. And so if you think that, that you could, you know, get relief from that, you need to consult an elder care, elder care attorney. Okay. Okay. I, I think if September, if uh, December third is good, Sarah's coming back. If not, we'll find another time. But I, I, I love talking to her. I love having her here. Uh, she's always welcome to come on any show she wants of mine. You know that. And I'm hearing about six people already agreed, agreed, agreed. Well, thank you okay? very much. Okay. Your fan, your. Your fan club has, has messaged me, okay? Well, I'm glad to hear it, Bennett. It's glad to hear do that I still have fans. I, I had no idea. So. Do, do they call them the Sarahs or what? No, just kidding. Okay, yeah, and everybody says, ouch, now. Okay, okay. Uh, or the legal team, right? Yeah, the little, the little uh, yeah. All kidding aside, oh, Marcia says, she needs to, uh, she needs, oh. Okay, I got it. So, uh, thank you for coming. Thank you, Bennett. Thank you, Marsha. It has been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Say hello to the say hello to the big guy for me and and Sir Amber and I would love to. I I think I want you back December third. Look at your schedule and get back with me, okay? I will absolutely do that. Thank you so much. My love to you and Marsha, and you all have a wonderful evening. We will. Thank you. Let me get a little business done on my end. Thank you, dear. That was, ladies and gentlemen, that was Sarah Steele, and if she wants to give her um, attorney information, that would be fine now. Oh, my goodness, my attorney information. Like I said, the best way to get in contact with me is Twitter. Um, again, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E, E as in Edward, S as in Sarah, and Q as in Queen, because, well, I am. Um, but Sarah Steele, Esquire, and um, I, like I said, I am licensed in Georgia, but I have practiced in about six other states on a case-by-case basis. So have any questions, hit me up on Twitter. I would love to uh, talk to my fans. I hear I have fans. That's amazing. Um, but, yes, um, I'm based Sarah, out of Atlanta, Georgia. You know? That's right. Um, I am uh, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. And so, yeah, get in contact with me and we'll talk. Thank you, Bennett. You're very much welcome. I will talk to you soon. We'll be mess- I'll message you in a day or two online and we'll talk. That sounds wonderful, darling. Thank you have a good evening. Thank you. Before you all leave, she's leaving. Good, good night, darling. Um, Next week, Daniel Ray, who is a lovely new author, and well, he's not a lovely new author, but he's an author. He will be in the hot seat next week. Uh, on the 25th, Marsha and Dina Remmel and um, a couple of other people who are not on my list. Damn, 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 damn. Leanne Sahai Murphy should be there, too. Uh, we'll be on the 25th at 8 p.m., doing a blog talk discussion with the four of us. Uh, Melissa Kerr is going to be here on the 27th. And writers and artists, message me. Uh, that's audioworld.com, Facebook, Bennett Pomerantz. Let's get you on the, sh- the show talking about your book. There are some authors, I don't know why, they've got new books, but don't. they're so afraid of, being ganged up here, and I don't gang up on anybody. I do ask intriguing questions. Yes. Uh, 
and I wanted to just say thank you for all the love and respect we get from all you people out there. I don't see you. We're not doing Zoom here, but all kidding aside, it's so wonderful to uh, to talk to all of you, messages and everything else, unless you want an instant book, no. Uh, otherwise, sure, I would love to talk to you. It's lovely. Um, good night. Be well. Fly right. Be safe. Good night. Good night, everyone.